should just introduce ourselves and we can talk about what we want to do with the podcast. So I'm Matt Johnson and I'm recording from North Bend. And I'm Bob Johnson and I'm recording from Los Angeles. And you just recently moved to Los Angeles, right? I did. I'm still in the process of moving. However, I'm almost done. Thank goodness. That's good. And my cold is almost gone. That's good. Well, you sound good. And uh, the reason you moved down to Los Angeles is because you're getting married in June, right? I am. Boy, are there a lot of details to getting married. My goodness. <laughs> I, I, I guess I didn't realize that. Once in a while, we should mix it up and put in a movie that's not a very good one. Yeah, I think so. so they're be, not all. <laughs> it'd be easy to find them. them out there. Yeah, it'd be easy to find them. That's for sure. Maybe uh, maybe they should be like the B movie, not good. You know, like uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space or something. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Or Tarantula. Tarantula is a good B movie. Or them. You know, something like that. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> That's borderline, though. That might be A-level. Yeah, it came from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not more than a few miles from where they filmed them. Oh, is that right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, because they used the Los Angeles concrete river basin where they had to build flood control. And the, and the uh, tarantulas were hiding out in the uh, storm sewers. But that's another movie. The tarantulas or the ants? Wasn't them about the giant oh, ants? Oh, that's right. It was giant ants. I'm mixing up movies. Yeah. That was a giant ants that could fly. The queens could fly. So I think the queens could fly. Somebody flew. Somebody flew. There was flying. So There was flying involved. <laughs> so, But today we thought we'd kick it off with a... Which was Stagecoach, which was uh, directed by John Ford and stars John Wayne. And I just picked this one because it was, it was actually on Hulu... And I, could, I also saw that it was on On Demand, so yep. one, one of the requirements is we've both got to be able to watch the movie somehow. <laughs> I think between those and Netflix, which has 100,000 movies, we should be able to find them pretty well. Yeah, so I think we'll have a good supply. And I had actually seen this movie before, but it had been a while, and I didn't really remember it. But I was, I was impressed. I thought... I liked it overall. I thought it was a good movie. There's some interesting things in there that I picked up on the second time, though, because I watched it once a couple weeks ago, and then I watched it again. Yeah, there's some interesting things I picked up on, but I thought right from the very beginning, it felt pretty like a like a, more of a modern movie um, as opposed to sort of like a silent movie. Um, oh, definitely. Don't, don't you think a big reason for that is they filmed so much of it on location so it looks real? Yeah, that was one of my comments was that it was like incredible scenery. I mean, in the cinematography, I, I, I wish that they could have filmed it with, you know, modern film or, or digital. I mean, it was it was just incredible. I bet you'd be hard pressed to find more beautiful uh, scenery in a movie. So it almost looked like a alien planet in some of the shots because it was so desolate. John Ford used that same location for several of his movies because he loved it so much. I was reading about his background. He used it for like Rio Grande and She Wore Yellow Ribbon uh, and some others. And they got to know him so well there that they really loved him coming back. Because oh, it brought a lot of money into that part of the Utah, Arizona area. The, um, the opening credits were all in silhouette, which I thought was a good choice. I just wonder how, you know... They had a camp at some remote place where they were all, you know, like a 
camping out making the movie. Mm -hmm. It would have been really fun to be involved in that camp at night when they weren't filming with that crew of people. Can you imagine being like the two women that were in the movie the most <laughs> they of the time? <laughs> they, they would have had to have a bodyguard with all those guys and they're drinking and gambling and I just I you know I, I said I think I said I'm guessing many cocktails, poker games, off color jokes, practical jokes, and a large amount of crabbiness because they were probably all tired and dirty from the filming. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. God, it was it just felt really real, like almost like it could have been a documentary almost in a way because it was just so real feeling when they were on the stagecoach. And I, 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 I made a note that that, sca that stagecoach felt like it was out of control most of the time when they were driving it. Like it was barely on the <laughs> verge of tipping over or running off the trail. And it, the guy that was the driver, uh, I forget his character's name. but Andy Devine yeah, was he, his name. He was a character. I, I liked him, but he, he spent most of his time uh, either talking about his wife, food, or or to the horses. <laughs> <laughs> it was, didn't you like when they were going across the desert, that, that high prairie desert? The wheels of that stagecoach looked like they were about five inches under the, you know, down in a rut. Yeah. With stuff coming all out. Just imagine what that'd be like riding in that thing. And then they, yeah, they took that one pass up high, and it was it was freezing cold, apparently. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, you know, they, they don't even have windows on that. It's just open to the air. Yeah. Jeez. And the characters inside the coach. My, one of my favorites was John Carradine, who plays that southern gentleman, that kind of smarmy uh, guy. He dies uh, during the Indian attack. Yeah, he was great. I thought his character was such a uh, such an archetype for that that kind of character. You know, I couldn't tell if he was a good guy or a bad guy. There was a, I mean, I think he was a, a gentleman in a way. But there was a scene near the end where they were being attacked by the Indians, and he he had one bullet left, and he yes he cocked yes. the gun and he put it up to her head, Mrs. Uh, Mallory, I think her name was, and uh, he was just about to pull the trigger, and then he got shot. And and then uh, like uh, ten seconds later, they hear the cavalry coming. You know, so the, that know. that could have played out a lot differently <laughs> if he pulled the trigger just a few seconds earlier. The, but I, uh, I thought that was pretty. Uh, I I thought that would be kind of shocking if you'd seen that in the theater, and here he is uh, about ready to shoot her in the head. In nineteen thirty nine. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because they had they had a production code that didn't allow the directors and the production companies to make certain scenes they had to really be careful well, that, i wouldn't want to say that today is that why at the at the end the very end when he's going up against those brothers and he uh it's him against the three of them and then they cut away right as he's about ready to shoot them and i thought what it was an interesting choice to cut away and and, and not show him uh, actually shooting them and i guess maybe it was done to build up the suspense of whether he made it or not you know whether he survived or the brother survived but that's what i took it up to be yeah uh, i don't think that well there were enough other shootings that probably the production code wouldn't have come into play but i thought they just did that to for dramatic effect yeah well the one false note in that was that one bad guy i yeah, he right from the it. very first shot, it, it was it was weird. He didn't even look like he belonged in the movie in a way. I thought. I, yeah, I don't know if, if he, he didn't seem to really be a very good actor. But uh, 
the rest of those dudes, oh man, I tell you. Well, that I thought, banker, that banker was just. Yeah, the banker <laughs> was great. There was a shot. I made a note of another shot where uh, of the banker, where they just held it on him and he didn't say anything and he was looking almost right into the camera, and it and it was it was after he'd said that thing about. Oh, ever since I opened this bank, I've been trying to tell those people to deposit their payroll six months in advance. It's good sound business. It's good business for you, Mr. Gatewood. Sir, there's your receipt. $50,000. And remember this, what's good for the banks is good for the country. You know, trust in the bank. The, what's good for the banks is good for the country. And then it, and Oh, yes, yes. And then it was that, and then it just held it there and I and it totally reminded me of a shot from Dracula where they did the same thing on Bela Lugosi where he they just had a shot of him like looking into the camera and it was I guess it was kind of a way to bring him up as the villain sort of like you know this is kind of a not a good guy also with uh one of those ladies from the 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 uh, law and order league <laughs> right when they were when they were running claire trevor out of that town yeah and and the the drunk doctor says victims of a foul disease called social prejudice <laughs> Doc, can they make me leave town when I don't want to go? Do I have to now, go? Now, Dallas, don't you go making no fun. Do I have to go, doctors, because they say so? Now, Dallas, I've got my orders. Don't blame these ladies. It ain't them. It is them. Doc, haven't I any right to live? What have I done? We're the victims of a foul disease called social prejudice, my child. <laughs> <laughs> well, a part of, I think, what John Ford was doing back in the 30s and 40s he was a pretty politically liberal guy because he did some other movies like Grapes of Wrath. Have you, by the way, have you seen that movie? A long time ago. That might be one we oh, should watch. Yeah. That's another one that's fantastic. And then he did How Green Was My Valley. And he did one about the Irish Republic, uh, Republican Army and the Revolution called The Informer. I think part of why he did that with the banker was a statement, you know, like in 1939 in the context of the Depression still ending to just kind of say you know don't trust these guys look what they did in 1929 on wall street i may be making more of that than there is but um that was just an odd scene to have it well not odd but to have it focused on him for so long no i think it was i totally took that away and it seemed so timely for today you know that maybe that's part of why i thought it felt like a, a pretty modern movie is because some of those themes of the banker and then the you know the hooker being run out of town by this you know these real conservative <laughs> ladies and the you know i just thought it was uh interesting how he really pulled in some of those social issues into the movie but at the same time it was it was kind of a action movie well and then you find that the story is really clearly focused i mean it there's no ambiguity about it. There's the bad guys. Mm -hmm. The banker's a bad guy. Those three brothers. And John Wayne is the hero. Another guy that I liked that was sort of underplayed was that was that liquor salesman, that little kind of wimpish guy. I know. It and was it, great. And what was so funny, the second time I watched it, I realized that he was the only one who was like protesting and saying, I don't want to go. But the drunk doctor's like, no, 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 I'll, you, 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 you'll you, be fine. And really, he <laughs> just wanted the, you know, he wanted the liquor. He wanted you know? the drinks. But he kept protesting. Uh, and then they got ha to the halfway point and, and they're like, should we turn around or should we keep going? And he was like, let's turn around. I don't want to, I want to get home to my family. And then he was the first one to get shot. 
by the it's Indians. Just, well, compared to some of the movies that were made later where the plot gets really convoluted, mm -hmm. and, you're, I'm, and at least for me, sometimes I'm not sure who's doing what to whom, this one is really clear. Yeah. It's like, okay. I even knew that I, it seemed to me like John Wayne was going to win that battle no matter what because he was such a hero. Oh, yeah. There was, I don't, I don't think there was no any. Doubt. There was no ambiguity that he was going to win and he was going to ride off into the sunset. But it was kind of funny. That, I thought it was interesting that the sheriff and the, I guess it was, was it the coach driver? But they kind of let him go at the end. They, yes, they, they, they did. Uh, I forget the characters' names now, and I don't have that page up on my screen, but they basically helped him get the, the uh, buggy and, and Claire Trevor, and off they rode yeah. into the sunset. What's fun about that is that's probably the best cowboy movie, Western movie, made up until maybe the 1947, 48. There were... They weren't very well done. They were kind of cartoonish or... Well, that was that's a good point because I thought that's the first movie that I really knew John Wayne as a, like a movie star. And doing a little bit of research on the movie, he'd been making movies for 10 years up to that point. And, but they were all these sort of B and C westerns. Yep. And John Ford made a point of saying, I want to... I, I'm, I think John Wayne's a star. I'm going to make him a star with this movie. And I think he did. I think, you know, after this movie, John Wayne really kind of, his career kind of took off, but it, he'd been making movies for 10 years up to that point, which I didn't realize. So I looked it up uh, on the internet. How many movies? He made 80 movies before this one. Jeez. So sometimes they were just bit parts and a lot of them were uh, real short. And some of them were even, you know, the early days of the silent movie. Yeah. So he'd had a lot of practice, but nobody thought he was very good at acting. Yeah, I think that I watched a little um, interview with a film critic talking about John Ford, and he made a point of saying that, you know, John Wayne was uh, more of a reactionary actor, where John yes. Ford gave him those reaction shots and would kind of linger on, on John Wayne's reaction. And, you know, watching that movie, I really noticed it the second time where. You could tell a lot by just the look on his face or the way he cocked his eyebrow or, you know, he didn't, he was kind of a man of few words in, in, in a lot of ways. And I don't think he needed a lot of words because he's a big guy and, you know, a powerful character. And he kind of didn't put up with that crap that the, um, that they were kind of trying to pull with Mrs. Mallory and, and, uh, you know, how she was a real lady and, that character of the um, gambler, you know, and how he was this southern gentleman, but treated kind of people like crap in a way. So yeah, if if you liked her, you were, you were okay. If he didn't, then it was a problem. But you know, it was it, he said something. Um, his character said something. What was? Looks like I got the plague, don't it? No, no, it's not you. Well, I guess you can't break out of prison and into society in the same week. Please, please. I guess you can't break out of prison and into society in the same week. <laughs> John Wayne's character <laughs> said that. That was a good line. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I rated the movie really highly because uh, it's just so well made. They're, 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 it's, the script is good. The photography is outstanding. 
Yeah, there was almost a... all the characters are believable. Yeah, there was only two. There was only two parts that seemed kind of like a off note to me. Um, one was that we already talked about that guy at the end, the brother that was right. kind of overacting. And then yeah. there was a weird. It was almost exactly in the middle of the movie, but there was this weird musical interlude. Al pensare in ti, tierra in che nasi, che nostalgia siente mi corazón. Ahora muchachos, váyanse. La... Where the shopkeepers he's like a mexican shopkeeper and his oh, wife right. starts singing and they're playing like these <coughs> guitars and around the campfire and, and that was so weird but i kind of liked it but it was it was weird and then right after that she said something to them which i couldn't quite catch and then they ran off with the horses <laughs> and like that's right the i horses. forgot about that yeah and i thought that whole like part I don't know that it added anything to the movie. I don't kind of like, okay, the first half of, you know, the first act of the movie is over and now we're going to start a new act. And that was the only thing I could think, but it, it just seemed kind of weird when I was watching it. You're right. There, uh, he Ford would do that sometimes, like in Red River, which he made about, then I think 1940, I think he made Red River in 1948. There are a couple of interludes in that that are like, they, they just seem to be kind of out of place uh, unless it was to, like you say, make, make sure you, you could see that they're going to move on now to the next episode. Yeah. I think that's really what it was. And just a couple of other things I noticed, which, which I loved, which one was how they floated the coach over the river. I never thought about how they would have to do that, but they, they strapped those logs to it and then yeah. they actually floated it across the river. And that was just crazy to me that they did that, but it, it makes sense. And then the, the, the last one, which was, uh, kid you know uh ringo has got to jump onto the horses and then work his way up to the lead horse to pull in oh the reins. yes when they're being chased by the uh, geronimo and i thought man that that looked really dangerous i'm sure that it wasn't as dangerous as what it looked like but man you know that was all real there was no uh that was really a guy jumping onto those horses and working his way up to the lead horse you know it was it felt really real i read about uh, the the man that did that was uh man by the name of uh, Yakima Canute, and he was like a second unit director and did all the special effects and that kind of thing. He was doing those for decades. Jeez. And he'd do a lot of them himself. <laughs> and there were no, uh, there wasn't any special effects ability to do that. And I remember reading about that scene when, that, when, that, when he's going from horse to horse, and Ford said, we're not going to retake any of that because it's too dangerous. Somebody's going to get killed. So they did it just one time. It, it had to be good. I mean, that he, or nothing. He pulled it off. I mean, that guy. It's amazing because it everything in that thing is you had to do it real time. You couldn't animate it, or there certainly weren't any special effects to speak of. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. it was good. Um, and then the last comment I had was, uh, I, I didn't quite know what to make of how uh, Mrs. Mallory. Well, first of all. Is it just me or I didn't even know she was pregnant until she had the baby. Like, I totally did not get that the first time I watched it. I thought she was just ill. Oh, it took, well, it, it, I think that might be partly the production code in effect because they made it look like she was just sick. But I kind of figured that there was more going on. And then all of a sudden me. the baby pops up. Yeah, and then, but then they out. have this moment like Dallas and her at the very end, near the end when yeah, they're yeah, pulling yeah. her out of sort of looks like an ambulance almost. Dallas. 
If there's ever anything I can do for... I know. And then Dallas gives her this a blanket, you know, and, and is like so... Um, I just thought Dallas's character was so much more likable, but she kind of, Mrs. Mallory kind of had a a part there at the very end where she was being nice to her, but she couldn't really be all that nice to her because there's all these people around and she still had to be sort of proper. And she had all that Southern hospitality upbringing that it was hard for her to, to be friendly with a woman that was, a, I, you know, I think she was a prostitute. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that's what she was. Yeah, um, but... Yeah, I thought that was interesting. It was an interesting moment. And there was a lot of little moments like that in the movie. That's kind of what really made it a great movie to me, where there were these little character moments where you got to, you got to really kind of see what these characters were about. And I, that's what I liked about it. I did a, I did a rating. I would agree. I, my rating was one through 10. I gave it an eight. Yeah, maybe 10's easier. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it an eight or a nine on a 10 point scale. It was, it was really good. The one thing that my, my final thought is I looked this up and the guy that plays the banker, mm -hmm. in real life, his name is Burton Churchill. And Burton Churchill founded was one of the original founders of the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, geez. Which is in 1933. He and five other actors started that. Hmm. And that, and his career his career in movies was very short lived, but he had a huge influence on the Screen Actors Guild is big today. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Huh. Well, I, I give it an eight. Yeah, and I, I like Siskel and Ebert used to say it would be a thumbs up. Oh, Anybody yeah. that sees it would, I think, enjoy it. I would give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, good. Yeah. So next week or whenever we do another one, we'll have to come up with another movie. Oh, I got a great, great one. On the Town. See, On the Town with Frank, Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly. And there are three sailors on leave in New York City. And it was the first musical that was made on location. Okay. The studio fought. Uh, whoever was going to make it said, I want to make it on location. And the studio said, no, we can do it on the back lot. And the guy said, no, we can't. It's not going to be, it won't work. So if you get a chance to look at that one on the town, I think it was 1948. Got some great dancing color, Technicolor. Well, the the big question is if we can find it. So let, let's say that'll be yeah. the one if we can if we can both find a way to watch it. Um, otherwise, we'll figure something else out. But yeah, that sounds good. And then uh, uh, Shirley Temple died today. Did you hear that? I I, I just read her obituary. Nineteen uh, eighty. She was eighty five. I was Amazing. thinking we should watch one of her movies too because she's she made a ton of movies. There's a funny one that she made later when she was maybe a teenager called the uh, the Bobby Sox or what is it? Uh, Cary Grant, Myrna Loy, and Shirley Temple, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, something like that, and it's really funny. It's a little bit older, but her early she did a couple of musicals where she was dancing with an African American dancer back in the '30s, yeah, which was way ahead of its time. That might be worthwhile watching. Yeah, so maybe maybe in a future one, maybe if we can't find on the town, we might be able. To, we could definitely find uh, a Shirley Temple one. movie to watch. Plus, she did, had a second career politically. 
Yeah, she was a diplomat to. She was the ambassador to yeah. Czechoslovakia, yeah. and then before that, Ghana and the UN, and and the she, proto was, she uh, was the she was the protocol. She was in charge of protocol for the White House too. Yeah, I think when President Reagan was was in office, because I think they probably knew each other from the movie industry. Yeah, interesting. Class act woman. Yeah, she lived to be eighty-five. It's pretty good. All righty, well, oh. thanks for listening. This is Matt. And this is Bob from Los Angeles. And this is Classic Film Reviews. And until next week, have a good one. Well, goodbye, Dallas. Goodbye. Maybe you'd like to ride a ways with a kid. Please. Saved from the blessings of civilization? Yeah. <laughs> Doc? I'll uh, buy you a drink. Just one.